You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Hi, y'all. I want to say thank you again for listening, folks, and the new podcast In Love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan. Be sure to listen to that if you haven't. I'm not going to linger on that like a cranberry song. Yeah, In Love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan. It's a, it's a fun show. And uh, write a review, subscribe, all that stuff. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this show, Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I will be in Madison, Wisconsin. Well, first of all, October 18th, the weekend, I will be in Columbus for a convention with Tom Welling. We'll be signing in Madison the 25th of October, November 8th in Austin. And um, November 15th, I'll be in Germany with my band, Left on Laurel. Guys, I've been working on this thing for a long time. And, you know, you hear about actors and stuff and they, they, you know, they want to be in a band. They want to do music. I, I just, I always wanted to be a singer, but I thought, I, I don't sing like Adam Lambert. So we were playing in our garage, a bunch of a bunch of guys, friends, and we made an album, man, and it's good. I really love it. So October fourth, the album comes out on all platforms. You could actually go to the iTunes store right now and pre-order an album. So check out Left on Laurel. Uh, in the weeks coming, we'll, we're going to play some songs at the end of every episode. A song from the album. Uh, we're on at Left on Laurel on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So thank you. Today's guest is Amanda Crew from Silicon Valley. She just did a movie called Tone Deaf, which you guys should go check out. You know, a big horror movie fanatic. What else? Silicon Valley. It's the final season. Um, she talks about a lot working with Harrison Ford. She also talks about her depression. She's very open about anxiety, eating disorders, depression. This is why I try to get guests on the show who open up and talk about things that you might be experiencing in your life. It's a really interesting story. Um, check her flick out, Tone Deaf. Let's get inside of Amanda Crew. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. We can swear on this, right? Because I've just done two podcasts where I was like, no swearing. I'm like, this is really hard. And th the emphasis of like, it's really effing hard is, is sounds stupid. Uh, it's It was fucking hard. And that sounds better. Uh, right. So can we swear on this? Well, you already have. Oh, Okay. You know what? I don't care. It's like uh, if you feel like swearing, you swear. I, I, I'm not going to like go no, balls crazy. No, no, no. I swear. It doesn't matter. You say what you want. I think I asked Jim Jeffries. I said, Jim, would you S a D for a million dollars? And he said, absolutely not, Mike. Well, terrible Australian accent I'm doing. But he's like, no, no, no. I have money. I don't need that. And the image of having that with me, even with a million dollars, it's like I don't need it. And then an hour later, he goes, oh, by the way, I would S that D. <laughs> Million, yeah. <laughs> Had been thinking about it the whole interview. Yeah. By the way, uh, I have a, a new guest besides Amanda Crew, the great Amanda Crew, who's with me from Silicon Valley and, and tone deaf. I'm very excited about this. I like horror movies. It's sort of in that vein. Yeah. It's smarter. It's a little deeper than just your slasher flick. I, I got comedic. Because you. you're funny. I guess. Right. People say. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Ryan is the new engineer. He's here. It's his first day. Uh, he's here. He's going to be helping me out. We've been buddies. He does uh, expressive art therapy with me on Friday night with some other friends. We can what talk about that. that. Yeah. Well, it's a thing that I when I went to Connecticut to a wellness center, I I experienced some uh, some art for the first time in my life, and it, it puts a, a peacefulness around me, makes me calm. 
And you know I need that. You could probably tell I'm a little But what up. kind of art? Like painting? Listen, I, I, I started art in fourth grade and quit in fourth grade because I was bad and I was colorblind. Same. And I just felt, really? Not colorblind, just terrible at art. Well, I just, you know, I just felt like I was dumb and my teachers weren't, you know, my teacher wasn't really patient with me. And anyway, I was scared of art. And I learned in this place at 47 years old that I don't hate art. I just... I needed someone to show me the way and be patient with me. And, and she always says, this woman, Comer, she would say, Michael, saboteurs are outside. I didn't even know what the word saboteur mean. I, I, apparently it means like... Do you a, not watch RuPaul? Is that what he says? Saboteur? All the time. That's saboteurs. your inner saboteur. Sabotagers? Is that what it is? Sabotagers <laughs> yeah, would be the same meaning? It's and, a really eloquent way of saying it. You're saboteur. Saboteur. T. So Ryan... Tellus is here. Ryan's quiet. He's funny. Ryan, just say hi. Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, I'll start by saying, uh, this, you didn't know this, but it's pronounced Teas. <laughs> well, I fucked that up. Well, everybody, welcome to Ryan Teas. It's the first thing. How did I not know that? It doesn't come up. You just call me Ryan. Well, Ryan I call you Michael. That's embarrassing. But, long, long time friend. But welcome, welcome, Ryan. And more importantly, welcome, Amanda. So anyway, if, if, Amanda, I told you if anything fucks up, it's Ryan's fault it's Ryan's and it's fault. his first day. So. No pressure. So I appreciate you coming here. I appreciate you inviting me. You uh, you you listen to the show. Yeah, not like you know every episode, no, but you I've, did your homework. I've, yeah, I I wanted to. Well, my friend listened to it, and she told me about it probably like maybe eight months ago. It was actually like she was like wanting to set you up with her, her friend. She's like, he's in this place. He he's ready for a woman, and I think they would be to like great together. Do you know the woman? Uh, there's a whole other backstory to that that we don't need to air on your podcast about. Well, now I want to know. Ryan I think you guys did end up connecting. How? Just like via like DMs. And it, you but guys, we never went out. No, 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 no. But it was just kind of weird that you guys actually ended up connecting. But I, I feel like I'm already divulging way too much. Well, what's going to happen? What's the person going to say? I can't believe it, Amanda. I can't believe all the way out here in Langley, I heard it. Is she from Langley? You're from Langley. I am from Langley. We shot uh, Smallville up in Langley. We had the uh, Smallville house, the uh, farm set, you know? Talk of the town. You were on Smallville. I was. She looks off to the distance. Are you embarrassed that you were on Smallville? I was not embarrassed. It was like one of my first acting jobs. So I was very excited because that was like the show to be on. And also I was like a huge, like I looked up to Kristen Crook so much because she was like from Vancouver. She had done this other show and then all of a sudden she's on Smallville and like she's made it, which for me was like, oh, it's possible. So to get to like even breathe the same air on Smallville was huge for me at that time. But like my part was like, I don't know, girl number two. And You're like a sorority girl, right? I was a sorority girl. And like, you know, it was a part where it's like, it's so embarrassing because it's just like, uh, I can't even remember what the point was, but I end up like taking off my shirt. What? And, but I was like, a 17 but in a 12 year old's body like there's there it, there was nothing sexy about it. Well, you were 17 when you did this show uh smallville and the producers asked you to take your shirt off as a 17 year old maybe i was 18 i would hope so first of all yeah and i hope they wouldn't say well i guess they, they have to ask the question would you be willing to take your shirt off now, obviously no, not your a, bra it's just your shirt yeah yeah it's come on it was smallville i wasn't naked but uh but there there was nothing sexy <laughs> 
like I'm just not someone who leads with their sexuality. Like yeah. that was a part of like sexy sorority girl and but my insides were like I am a tomboy who does not know what she's doing. <laughs> so Where did you meet Kristen? I didn't meet Kristen. Oh, I know. Did you want to? I knew I wasn't going to because I didn't have any scenes with her and I think I would have been too scared to meet her. Really? Yeah. You get nervous meeting stars? Not anymore, but at that age I was just so freaked out by everything. Is that because you are a star? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, who are you? Is that why? Um, no, I think it's like it's it's fun to meet, you know, celebrities, but I've lost that whole thing of like oh my god, they're so much more important and better than me. Like we're all fucking human being so like good for you um and i think so many times i've met people and i'm like oh disappointing who have you been disappointed by i'm not gonna name names i will say that will smith i get starstruck will say sorry (laughs) no i get starstruck by like reality stars are you what is that i get starstruck by like snooki i wouldn't by Snooky. Snooky. Sorry, like Snooky. I... Snooky. Was it not Snooky? <laughs> Was it not Boo Boo? Mama Boo Boo? What's that show called? Uh, Honey Boo Boo. Honey Boo Boo. Um, no, it's like if like any real housewife, I would. Ooh, I met one of them. They were married to Kelsey Grammer, and we met on this trip. Camille she... Sullivan. Camille. Yeah, I-, I met her just on that trip, and you know she was nice then. But that was it. I hadn't, I hadn't that seen was her that. since. Yeah. Well, they were divorced after that. Her whole life changed. Did you like her? Listen, I'm not going to get into my controversial opinions on the housewives. Yeah, also, do I don't need to waste my time on it. <laughs> you don't need to waste your time on it, although you get starstruck by them. I, did, I saw Lisa Rinna at like an Emmy party, and it was like Tom Hanks to my left, John Travolta to my right. Lisa Rinna? That's, that's who I was excited about. Wow. So that's very telling of me. I just never feel comfortable around actors. Uh, you know, it, it, it depends if they're like... You know, they like horror movies. We have something in common. They're just very approachable and fun. But I, I never feel co- that comfortable around. But you're them. interviewing them all the time. I do, but I, you know, I, I still get nervous. I, I get nervous before you came here because you know you want to do a good interview. You want to, you know, and I don't know you. This is even more intimidating because I don't know you. Yeah, but isn't that fun? Because now you get to learn about me. Yeah, I get I'm to an learn open about book. you. I'm an open. book. Are you really an open book? For the most part, I mean, I there's certain areas that I've always felt like private about but for the most part like as far as like my damage my like my darkness like the shit i've done like i'm not there you're not damaged that's that's the, why i can be so open it's like <laughs> there's no damage there's no damage open me up nothing but roses okay see i'm sensing a little obviously there's some sarcasm here who doesn't have fucking damage ryan tayas <laughs> Well, now he does because he's like, my new boss doesn't even know my fucking last name. Well, you know, it's, I would, first of all, not, I wouldn't say boss. I mean, that we're friends first and foremost. So he's like, yeah, I would do it. I was like, why don't you try it out, man? Why don't you try it out? Come here, an engineer. If it works out, it works out. You know, it's, it could be fun, you know, whatever. I like him so far. Yeah, he's cool. He's, you know, he's a nice guy. Thanks, boss. <laughs> <laughs> boss man don't I like that I like set that. this up now you said something before we started here out there you you said something like um because i'm doing another show called in love with michael rosemont and chris mm-hmm. sullivan um and you know we have couples on and and you're like no 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 we don't even go to red carpets together my my, my fiance and i and i'm like wait what 
First of all, I did not say fiance because I think it's the grossest word ever. Oh, you didn't say that. You said boyfriend. But yeah, I call him my boyfriend. <laughs> Even though we're engaged, I'm just like, he's my boyfriend. You never use the word fiance? It's gross. Does he like to use it? No, it's a gross word. Both of us agree. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> it almost feels like you have that kind of personality where you're almost, maybe, do you say romantic real things or is it hard to stay serious, stay in the moment? Because I, I have that problem where I'm like, I just, I, I really... <laughs> what was that i just i want to say something really nice but I, I i it depends i mean with with my friends and with my boyfriend i vulnerability is like so easy but i think like settings like this it takes me a minute to be like "Ooh, is this safe territory i'll just like be sarcastic and it's 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 a defense mechanism of course i do it too it's coping yeah how do we cope i i i talk about as i grew up i mean i always still to this day the only way i feel like i'm accepted is if i make someone laugh right if i go in a room and i do an impression oh he did rodney dangerfield oh oh he's funny he could hang out right i feel like if i'm that's how I, i need to be accepted i do that especially with men to i think growing up i didn't like how I was treated because I hate even saying this. It's like you're a somewhat attractive person. So then men treat you differently. So I always wanted to be treated like one of the guys. I would make that happen by like just being crass and making rude jokes so that guys would be like, oh, she's cool. She can hang with us. She's not like a prissy Barbie doll. If that makes sense. Yes. So again, it's a defense mechanism. It's like, how do I make these guys think that I'm just cool? Yeah. Like I'm not just full of myself. It's hard to be yourself, isn't it? <laughs> it's a daily struggle. So your friends, you could be yourself and you, your husband, but you feel like it takes time. Obviously, I think that's human nature. Yeah, for sure. I think I've gotten better at it as I've gotten older because it's just like, oh, who gives a fuck? Like, it's just, this is who I am. But when I was younger, I really struggled with it because I was very perfectionist type a wear the mask to go to high school so that people think i'm i am this like popular girl whereas inside i'm like i'm freaking out and i'm weird were you popular i hung out with the popular kids but i never felt like i belonged with them like like i just said like i i feel like that with celebrities i feel like i'm here i did some work (laughs) i sort of People so kind of know me. But we all feel like frauds. Like all actors feel like the the inner dialogue is like they're gonna figure it out soon. Always, I'm a fraud. I'm not. I got lucky. I'm not talented. (laughs) It was just good lighting that one time, and I'm just yeah. What is that? I think uh, it's just insecure actors, and we seek validation through our work. Just sad. Just sad. Do you do you think that like it started for you? Did you have like self worth as a at a young age? Did you think your parents were loving and kind and caring and So I I believed that my parents were loving and kind. I received a lot of love from them, yet my self worth was negative. I had very low self worth. Why? I mean, you got, you, I mean, you, you go to therapy. I could tell. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so I, do my I. therapist used to be up the road from here, but she moved. What's what was? Well, you don't have to give it a name. Yeah. Why, why would I ask that? It's really stupid. Chaos. <laughs> do you have a therapist? No, this is my therapy actually. <laughs> Good week. luck. Just one liners. He's been saving these up. I like it. To be honest, I like I understand my low self worth, but I don't know if I know exactly where 
it stems from I was just always a very scared child. I was always looking for what could go wrong. Here's what I'll say. I've been doing some look into kind of the energy that you feel as a baby in the womb. So like what your mother is going through while don't give me that look. I'm giving you that look because I'm starting to freak out now with anxiety thinking this makes keep going. I know where you're going. But but the energetically what you're feeling in the womb, which makes sense. I mean, I can feel your energy when like how you're feeling like maybe I'm not taking it on, but I can sense that. And but when you're a baby in the womb and if your mother is is stressed or my mom when she was pregnant with me, my dad was going through chemotherapy and she had a three-year-old, two-year-old daughter. So, and she was the breadwinner. So it's like the amount of stress and fear she must have been going through while I was in the womb, just trying to make it through. I'm sure I took that on because I've always just had this sense of like, what the fuck's going to happen? Like I fall asleep thinking about like what could go wrong. I wake up, you know, when you wake up and you're not even awake, so you don't even have control over your thoughts. And you're waking up and you're like, yeah, today could be the day that like you get fired from that show because you did that weird thing. And like, I'm just always thinking about what could go wrong. So that's something I'm working on right now of just kind of giving myself some space. Well, <laughs> you know, while you're saying all that, of course, I thought of me and I thought, what was going on? My dad was 19. My mom was 22 when she had me. She already had two kids, 16 and 17, when she was 16 and 17. A lot of pot going around. I remember sitting on a hippie's lap in Long Beach, New York, just him playing guitar or the other, some people playing guitar and people passing around joints. It's a little, I mean, I remember I was tiny. I remember just this fucking function around me and mm -hmm. also imagine being in the like in the belly even before that when i was in my mom's belly I, they were living with my grandmother my dad my mom and the two kids my grand and it was stressed and i'm mm -hmm. sure there was yelling and you know my mom was popping valium i'm sure some form of it i'm sure yeah that's that's kind of scary but it makes a lot of sense doesn't it yeah so you, there's no way your mom probably loves hearing that because she's like what could i do i didn't know that you weren't even born yet you were in my belly how could i assume well, and it's also, I think parents want to like not have done anything to hurt their kids. But the truth is like, we're human beings. So you're going to fuck up. And and things like that were well-intentioned by my parents. Like, for example, my sister, when she was six, I was three. Uh, she was diagnosed with a rare brain disease called Moya Moya, which essentially restricted the blood going to her brain. So she had, and they couldn't diagnose it forever. Like they didn't know what was going on. She would just have these like seizures. And so finally got diagnosed. But like during that time, there's lots of doctor visits. And then she ended up having brain surgery. So she, you know, twice because they had to do each side. And me, I'm three years old. My parents with the best of intentions were trying to not have to take me to the hospital because how traumatic for a child to go to the children's hospital and be in that environment. So they would have me stay at like a friend's house, like who, like I was friends with their kids. And they're like, you can sp spend the night here. But I was three. And so all I saw was like my family abandoning me, going all off together and leaving me behind. So it was like with the best of intentions, they were yeah. trying to protect me. But it really, I have abandonment issues as, as a result. 
Uh, now, see, it's interesting you say that because uh, my sister, my half, my dad remarried after my mom, and they've been. He just got divorced again, but he had two daughters, um, Ava and Leah May, and Leah was born with a chromosomal um, mm-hmm. issue called trisomy. And wait, do they have like a campaign to raise money? this no oh, they should because i was like Maybe i don't did. i was like did i donate to this this sounds really familiar well you can um there's no cure it's just she's 14 years old and she can't speak she can't walk she can't do anything and you know i visited her in the hospital like a month ago with my dad and there is no doubt that my other sister was so affected by her little sister always being in the hospital mm-hmm. and almost dying all the time and turning blue and trips to the hospital. So I look at it that way where if she didn't go to the hospital, you're saying abandonment issues. If she goes to the hospital, she has this sort of, she loves her sister. Mm-hmm. It's obvious. There's obviously some disconnect where she just shuts off. I mm-hmm. could see it. And it, yeah. it really, I got emotional there. And I think I was more emotional because of that. It made me so sad. And um, so, you know, you say that it was like because you didn't go to the hospital and they left you to. I totally see the other thing, too. Of like side. if they had brought me what that would Probably have done. could have been worse. Could have been worse. And I think at the end of the day, it's just like that's what my point is, is like parents try to protect their kids from everything. But we're human beings on Earth. Like life is going to deal us shitty hands and we're never going to be safe from everything. And we need to go through those things to shape certain parts of ourselves and to experience things to strengthen certain muscles and what have you. It's all part of the journey. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp, when you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times... We keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside inside of you is brought to you by rocket money i love rocket money you know why because everyone should have rocket money because it just helps you save money how many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money just throwing away money ryan 
I I found one. You and you did it. You told <laughs> me I got <laughs> Rocket Money. Like I, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever, mm-hmm. and you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget. After this trial period, it kicks in and they're charging you 10 bucks a month. It is embarrassing. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. Let me ask you this. Do, do you, did you, because you acted since you were young, right? Uh, I started when I was 15. 15 yeah did you have you always loved it is it something that you always wanted to do you crave you got to do it or is there an essence of like i it it helps with self-esteem and approval is there that or is it you know because i had a therapist tell me if it's mostly that it's not good right if it's like you really love it i enjoy it and yeah it gives me this then that's 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 healthy i fucking love it like i love it and but this past year well, two years did a real deep dive on all of that kind of reflection on the self-worth, the how much am I connecting my self-worth to my career and all of that and essentially ended up taking a sabbatical for a year because it just, I went through this really dark period where nothing made sense anymore. Like in my personal life, in my career, everything and just kind of evaluating all of that. And I feel like I'm just coming out the other end of that deep soul journey, whatever that was. But it 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 was a mind fuck. I don't even know how to really summarize. It's I'm still kind of reeling from it all. It was I can't even put into words what happened in those two years. I mean, that's terrible tease for your listeners. They're like, talk about it. <laughs> um, let me tell you something. I just got back from a wellness center. My listeners know. I, I, I had to get away. I had yeah. to, I could not deal. I think I, you know, from surgeries and from whatever, I just got depressed. I got in my head and I went there, um, with no hope really other than, Hey, at least I'm doing it. At least I'm trying. But I remember saying, you know, I don't think you guys can help me. I don't know what's going on. I just, and when you start to chip away at things, and you get deep and you get on. And I think it's the first time I ever felt safe. So I went to a place where then I immediately felt safe and I was crying. Here's a funny story. I started crying to this woman there. Um, and 
I, st- I thought I had already mourned. My grandparents, my grandfather has Alzheimer's and my mm-hmm. grandmother's 91 and she's in so much pain. In fact, while I was at this place, she had just put my grandfather, we did, into a, a memory facility. And she was like, Mikey, I'm 91 years old. I've never been alone. I live with my parents. My Irv's always been with me. I can't. And I'm just going, I'm like so emotional. And I'm, you know, at the same time, she's like, what are you doing? What is this place? And I'm like, well, it's, yeah, you know, I, you know, I was beating around the bush. Yeah, it's, it's a place where I can get, you know, I'm going to get my mind straight. Mm-hmm. She's like, what's wrong with your mind? Aww. And we started talking about, you know, all these things. And I realized that I hadn't mourned my grandfather. I thought that every year that went by, I lost a little of him and I mourned a little. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, I'm so emotional with this woman. I mean, five minutes into this session, day two of this place, and I'm not an emotional guy. I mean, I get like, you know, I'll cry at a movie every once in a while. But this was raw, and I felt like a human being. And the funny thing is, she goes, well, we don't have to do acupuncture today. And I realized she was an acupuncturist. She wasn't even my therapist. I but she's a healer. She goes, no, don't be embarrassed. It's fine. I'm like, what? She was the right place. It was, she goes, absolutely. And, and by the way, I'm in contact with all of them there. In fact, my therapist, one of my new therapists, we FaceTime. She's from there. I go, can I, I have to keep you. This yeah. is your When you find a good one. By the way, female. I never went to a female therapist. Oh, interesting. I now go. I, because I just hit a wall where I was like, what do I, what am I doing this for? What do I, I have to find more purpose. I have to find. Oh my God. You went through a dark night of the soul. Talk to me That's about That's what I went through. Dark Knight of the Soul? So Why am I thinking Batman? <laughs> it's like Batman. Um, so this happened to me. Mine started like two years ago. And I, I'd never heard of that term before, but I was just, nothing made sense to me anymore. And it, it was like, like everything that used to ground me or drive me, motivate me, like what I wanted, my purpose, all of that used to make so much sense. And then suddenly it just, none of it made sense anymore. So I had a friend who's like, oh, you're going through a dark night of the soul. And I'm immediately like Googling, like what the fuck is dark night of the soul? You know I'm going to do that now. You've got to, because it, there's this book by Thomas More called Dark Nights of the Soul that helped me so much because it gave shape to what I was going through so that it didn't feel so scary. And it's essentially, they say it's usually triggered by death, like a sudden death, um, where life, like you thought life was supposed to be one way and then it didn't make sense anymore. But it can also just come on because you're evolving in a way where you're growing and how you've been living your life doesn't make sense to you anymore, which is what mine was rooted in. I've never heard of this. Here, I'm online. Seven signs you may be experiencing a dark night of the soul. We tend to doubt everything we've known to be true. In worst, best case scenarios, we tend to fall into an existential crisis or dark night of the soul. But if we are able to make it through this dark time and shed that which has weighed us down, then we will open up once again and even wider than before. Number one, you're experiencing or have experienced ego death. I don't, I don't know what that is, but I'll read it later. Two, <laughs> it is only when you're alone that you realize you're never alone. You have a newfound appreciation of your mortality. I guess these are... These are the af- after. After, right. After. That's, not, the, that's right. definitely not like, what you're feeling no, when you're in it. The purpose of your life has taken on new meaning. I'll tell you what, mine has actually taken on meaning. For the first time in my life, I really feel like I'm alive inside. I agree. Like, I, I feel like I, I just want to 
I, I, I don't know what it is. I've always been chari- charitable. And I've, mm-hmm. Is that the right word? Yeah. I've always been like, you know, I want to help and this and that. But there's a difference between feeling it and just going, yeah, I'll donate to your thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. Like I went to a children's hospital, the, the uh, Ronald McDonald House, and I'm going there every week now. And when you start to look at people who are just trying to fucking live mm-hmm. or people with their kids who are just, you know, the Ronald McDonald House, if you don't know about it, 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 it provides housing and for families and you know while their mm-hmm. th- their kid is going through yeah. these horrible th- you know these diseases and and surgeries and cancers and you go there and you're like I'm not saying that your problems are not worthy because you have to deal with your problems but part of it is being grateful and saying you know what look at this this mm-hmm. these are these beautiful kids around me and you know what I'm going to make them smile and I'm going to make them happy and I'm going to make them just enjoy and that's why I'm here and when you could just go to, you know, I'm a part of this organization, Food on Foot, which is the best homeless organization, nonprofit you could ever go to and helps homeless people get jobs. And that's and, amazing. And, and yeah, all this. And you go there and you spend a couple hours a week where you part of, I'm a part of a 98 club where you give $98 a month. It's, it's nothing. People, we waste money, $18 a week on fucking Drugs. Well, think well, about not drugs Postmates, anymore. how much money oh is spent God. on one Postmate at, at chickenwings.com. <laughs> $100. Ryan, give me a better one than that. Chickenwings.com? Yeah. I mean, that was a pretty good one. I don't know what you mean. I just didn't like that. You know, like chickenwings.com? I don't know. It's how, like, how about .net? Chickenwings.net? Org. Let's go with <laughs> org. It's <laughs> funny. But you know what? Uh, so all I'm saying is, like, these are th- these. this is common sense. But I think we get so worked up in our own lives and, like, me, 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 life, work, work, work. And if you don't take a fucking step back, man, because you're here such a short time, and you don't go, is this what my life is? So when I'm 85 in my deathbed, I go, oh, you were this guy on this show, and people liked you. Fuck you, man. My therapist in Connecticut goes, it's all bullshit. It's great, Michael. It's great that you have all that. It's great. But that doesn't define you. It doesn't define me. the world tells you that that's... You get caught up in in what what other people want, right? Oh, my agent wants this. My Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I need to make people happy. I need to be on a show so everybody goes, oh, look, he's working. What Michael, the big question, what are you what have you been up to? Oh, well, I've been doing this and this. I'm like, <laughs> hey man, I'm fucking doing nothing, man. I'm going to donate at a, a homeless shelter. I'm going to do this. What are you fucking doing? Totally. That that I'm was angry. a year off that I took. I, but I get it. it. But I think the anger comes from you realizing cuz I had the same anger where it was like, I've been living my life for someone else. I haven't been living it for myself. And not because someone told me to that I just fell into this fucking hamster wheel that we've all fallen into of believing that like there's these things we need to do and like you know we need to as a woman it's just like the classic things of like I need to look a certain way so that people think I'm attractive and then like validate me and then do certain roles that like look good on my resume so that everyone's like wow like that's why I realized like half of my Instagram activity like is just it's not even for the fans it's to like impress my peers like look at the stuff I've been working on I hope that other actress saw that like that's gross that's and, and that's we ego we all do it that's I mean what- even if you're not in the industry and you, you know you have a post hey look at my new brand new car 
So your neighbor can look at it and go, oh, that fuck. It's like, you know, it's like this constant need to one up or need to it's i think what happened what you're saying is what we're all saying is like you just you get overwhelmed with minutiae you know like totally that's why i got off social media you're off completely i deleted it so i guess you're not gonna post when you're on this (laughs) on this fucking podcast great guess she's not gonna promote it (laughs) well i guess you're leaving it to me to promote now yeah amanda crew tone deaf coming this fall a psychological thriller I should. Do, I wish they. They don't do voices. Uh, trailer I was voices. Say, like anymore. you should be doing it. Why? Why not? They don't do them anymore, though. You never see. It. It's just like fast music. Only fast for pace. like yeah, for like a spoof. Could you do it? Could you do a, a trailer voice for a movie? No. How would you? How would you do yours? I. It's never a female voice, so it's just like. They, well, things could change. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be hired. Coming this fall, tone deaf. August twenty third. Not even this fall. It's this summer. <laughs> I'm dumb. You're fired. <laughs> I was just going to ask you how long the wellness retreat was. Three weeks. That's amazing. Three weeks, seven days a week, though. It wasn't like five days and then, oh, go get plastered. Fuck no. It's like I came here to dive deep. It was hard. It was hard because you have companions with you, whether you're you're a drug addict or an alcoholic or you're not on any of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just there. For, they have rules. You know, it's just like, hey, you can't drink. You can't do dr- You can't. You have a companion who stays with you. Um, they're there. And by the way, they, they it was important that I had someone there. Cause like there were times where I go, I just like, there's a couple times where I felt like I fell apart. Like I, fuck yeah, you're diving deep. That I shit just, is traumatic. It, it was traumatic because it was, just, it was surprisingly traumatic, but cathartic. It was just fucking, it's important. Mental, it's, it's great that we could talk about that because for many years, you know, mental health was something you just never talked about. Now people are talking about mindfulness and, you know, the meditation and therapy. And, you know, I started this, this podcast, not even for those reasons, like, eh, you know, maybe I'll make some money. (laughs) Gee, that didn't work. (laughs) Uh, No, but you know, I think why people like it is because I am just being as vulnerable as I can be. Mm -hmm. And I, and I hope my guests are, which you are absolutely being that. And I, I I never know with people, are they going to open up and they're going to tell their story. And so for me, it became therapy for me, which became sort of therapy for the guest and therapy for the audience. And, you know, if it's something they take away from this interview where they're like, you know, when she was talking about that, I totally get it. And, you know, it's just, it's okay yeah. to, to be fucked up. It's okay. Oh my God. Well, that's why I, talking about that Dark Nights of the Soul book by Thomas More, what I love so much about it was that it made something that sounded very fucking scary of like, oh, cool. So like I'm untethered and floating in space and have no idea which way is up. Nothing makes sense anymore. Really excited about this. But it painted it in this way of like, this is an opportunity. There's such a gift in this where you get to go to the depth of yourself to the basement that no one wants to go to, but it's a whole part of yourself that you get to explore that you've been denying of yourself. And there's so many gifts to find there. And it's true. Like I discovered a whole part of myself that I didn't know was, was there that has opened up a whole other world of being for me that has just changed my day-to-day experience. What did your boyfriend his boyfriend, fiance, husband. What did what did he do during this process? Because it sounds like you were you were pretty dark. Yeah. And it sounds like uh, you know, you had a lot of figuring out to do. Were you worried, oh my God, he's gonna leave me because I'm a mental patient? So I have the most incredible boyfriend in the world because uh he's 
we've been together like nine years. So um, he's he's been through it with me. When we met, I was coming out of an eating disorder. Um, so he's seen that side of me. Uh, I've always struggled with anxiety and depression. And he has never in the nine years that we've been together, when I've had some weird episode has never taken it personally. Like my favorite story to tell is when I was having like a really triggering day with just all of this stuff. And I was just like, just about to break. And I was driving home and I texted him like, can you make some, (laughs) can you make some rice to go with the dinner? And so He's like, yeah, for sure. And so he makes this whole dinner. He like roasts the vegetables. He makes the chicken, everything. And I get home and I'm like, where's, where's the rice? And he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I forgot the rice. And I fucking lost it. Like had the biggest meltdown over rice, which obviously it wasn't about the rice. And most men would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like it would have been a huge fight of like, I, you know, I, I made you all this whole, like I made you dinner. I did everything for each day and you're freaking out about the rice. But he just immediately was just like, what's wrong? What happened today? And I just like sobbed for 20 minutes without even saying anything. And he just laid beside me while I sobbed. Um, and, and then could find a pussy. (laughs) I'm kidding. I mean, that's a real man. That's a, that's a yeah. real man because any guy would probably be at first. It's like, whoa, what the fuck did I do? I just made you fucking dinner. I forgot the rice and you're freaking out. What the fuck? This girl, <laughs> this is nuts. Women, am I right? But you know what? It's guys too. How many guys go, what the fuck? You know, it's like, it, I, it, look, I love that there's patience there. There's just absolute love. He yeah. adores you can tell. Yeah. And that's the right man for you, no doubt. When you can just lose your shit and you know yeah what what i just did is not cool totally and he could just react the way he did that's maturity too it is and and also we've talked about it me and him before because there's also though he's not a doormat like he'll call me out on my shit too if i'm like you know walking all over him like he also won't allow me to just kind of like walk but he can tell when is the right time to call me out and when is the time to be kind of the helping hand of like what's going on but he's 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 a very patient and understanding good on him nine years yeah you know who you have a, a slight resemblance to you know i'm gonna you just go ahead and say it is it molly ringwald oh my god i can kind of see that can we reenact a scene from 16 candles <laughs> i've only I've ne- seen it like once i've so. never bagged a babe <laughs> Do you remember that scene where Anthony Michael Hall's in the car and like in the shop class or something, the empty car that's like, you know, it's not, it's in the, in the school and they're sitting there just talking. I don't talking. remember any of it. Well, Molly Ringwald's sitting there and he's like, can I tell you something? You promise I won't laugh. She goes, oh, I promise. I promise I won't laugh. He's like, I never bagged a babe. And then she starts laughing and he's like, I appreciate you not laughing. <laughs> it's so deadpan. <laughs> I'll never forget it. But I could see a little Molly Ringwald. I what could see a little saying? Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, I used to get that all oh, the time. Oh, yeah. God, those are good things. Can't hardly wait. Her name was Amanda. She was on the podcast and she was amazing. And boy, was she vulnerable. She talked about her mom's death. And uh, one of my favorite guests to this date. I, I urge you to listen to it if you, if you haven't. She's really a beautiful person. There are good people in the industry, aren't there? There are, as you learn. Do you love just acting? Or would you would you want to do anything else? Uh, well, part of the past two years was the realization I 
want to direct. And I wrote a script during that time too. And writing the script was kind of the realization of, oh, I need to direct this because I can see this and no one else can bring this to life. Like this is in my head. Um, and so I started like directing a couple music videos to see like, do I actually really like this? And I fucking loved it. Like it just confirmed for me. That is also a, a path that I want to explore. But I'm trying not to put too much pressure on it the way that it's like, I already have enough pressure on my acting career. So how do you, how do you uh, sort of get your shit together and focus and not have anxiety attacks when you're get, you know, you're working on your lines. Do you ever feel comfortable? Do you ever, do you feel nervousness? Do you get anxiety? Do you oh my God, have yes. attacks? Do you, are you on meds? What do you do? Um, no, <laughs> no meds. Jump meds. You don't take any meds. <laughs> no, I have like a, even when I was young, I hated taking medication. I hated when I was sick and they were like, you have to take, like, I just always, even like when I was eight, I was like, I don't want to take the medicine. I hated taking Advil. That's a good thing. Um, and so I've always been very kind of adverse for myself. I just always have resisted it. Um, but then I also like, when I was like 19, I went through a real dark phase in Vancouver. Uh, I was dating this guy. It was like my first like love, but also toxic relationship. And like he was a partier. And so I went from like never even really being drunk to like taking three ecstasy pills in one night. Oh, my God. <laughs> like just like from zero to 100. And the feeling after doing ecstasy like the serotonin completely robbed Depletion. your body, but then also being someone who like already is prone to anxiety and depression, but still young and not having an awareness or understanding of that, the way that I would feel for a, a week, week, like he would just, he would just bounce it. back the next day. He was, it was insane. Like he was just, he was an addict. You said it. I didn't. Well, I mean, if you can bounce back like that, it's like, you know, I remember powdering my nose about 15 years ago and I just couldn't do it. I was like, oh, my God. People are like, uh, why don't you like it? It's so great. I'm like, well, uh, the next day I uh, I can't uh, breathe at all. I, uh, my sinuses are all the fuck. Well, I just wanted to kill myself after ecstasy. Like, I was just like. But, I, but on it's pretty fun. Oh, my God. It was. I mean, I get it. It's ecstasy. Great. We're telling everybody to take ecstasy. No, but. It's, We're not. No. We're not. Because afterwards, that's. It just. It scared the shit out of me. And after that period lasted of ecstasy, like, I just deep. Did a deep dive. Three weeks of it. And then I was fucking done. And I'd never touched another drug after that. Because I was just like. It scared the shit out of me. How much it changed the chemistry of my brain. And. I had never, you know, I had dark days, but never, like, it was triggered by nothing. I was just laying in bed, just like, you're a shitty actor. You're probably not going to get another job after this. Well, and if you can't work again, like, what's the point of living? You might as well kill yourself right now. Like, it went that fast to, like, get out. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I I know those thoughts. You know, what's funny is when I, you know, uh, one of the things I learned when you wake up and you're lying there, unless you're really tired, you want to go right back to sleep. If your mind starts racing or you start to think, get the fuck up. I promise you this is immediately I jump out of bed. I don't care how tired I am. I go down, feed the dogs, take them for a walk. I chug some water. I come back home. I meditate for 15 to 20 minutes. 
and I, you just can't, you cannot lie in bed. No. You cannot just lie there. It's going to kill you. You'll spin. You, you will spin. Ryan, do you do drugs? Me? No. Have you ever been on drugs? I did mushrooms once in college. How'd you feel? Uh... It was the first time I'd never had like a song stuck in my head. That's like what I remember the most. Like because it was just it just felt That's empty. So great. It felt empty. I just felt just felt totally empty on did, the inside. Did you did you hate that? Uh I did like towards the end, like I started to freak out a little bit. Um I was in Amsterdam with some friends in college. Um and so at, at the beginning we would just go so you know, we had all the canals there and it was like sunset, so it was like the perfect timing, and so we would just go to each canal and judge the energy of the canal. <laughs> <laughs> judge the energy. I like energy. that. I like that. It was, uh, I mean, some, I mean, we just go like that one had good energy, and then there was one that had a dead bird in it. And we're like, that is bad energy. I mean, you, you just kind of <laughs> wow. You just kind of knew. And that is the one and only time I've ever done drugs, though. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, it's funny as I've done drugs. I, I just know now, especially in the last ten, I know no matter what happens, I always feel worse. Of course. Everybody's like, oh, I'll have a beer. I'll have a drink. I was like, I, I have an energy that I don't need that shit. I just want to stay awake. Without <laughs> I know. Doing, I, I'm just, if I could stay up till 10 or 11, my friends know, hey, old man Rosenbaum, it's 10 p.m. I guess we're going to get kicked out in a minute. I go to bed at eight some nights. Like, I am, like, my friends just know I'm a granny. Like, I'm the first to go. And I used to be really insecure about that and feel like, ah, like, I sh- I'm young. Like, I should be out and having fun. And I'm like, you know what? It's not fun for me. So I'm just going to go home and be okay with that. And I'm now like, it's only in the past couple of years that I've just gotten very secure in that. It's just like, this is who I am. I, I go to bed early. I wake up early. It makes me happy. Yeah, right. And I have a routine. I think for me, routine is so important. I'm so such vital. a, my, I have like yeah. a morning routine. As that, long as they're good routines. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Whatever makes you feel good. Yeah, do you think that, uh, are you hard on yourself when a movie doesn't do well or a TV show doesn't do well? Do you sort of take like, oh my God, it's because of me? Um, I used to really, really battle with those thoughts and I now like have a hard rule. Like I don't read reviews. I don't Google my name and see what people are saying about me. It was funny because I, so I deleted all my social media accounts and Silicon Valley is like, uh, Give, like raffling off a set visit in support of a uh, organization that I'm on the board of. And so that day, like someone had told me that someone else had tweeted about it, you know, trying to get the word out. And so I went on Twitter to find this tweet and saw the first comment was, uh, I would love to come to the set of Silicon Valley as long as Amanda Cruz not there. What? And I was just like, Okay, yeah, that's why I can't. I can't go on social media because I can't. Like, I, you know, why would some? You gotta just look at that. Like, these people are really unhappy, and I see that for what it is. But like, I don't want to expose myself to that because even though I know that you on a, can't deal, you don't like dealing with it. You can't deal with well, it. Well, it's it's just like then I just get like really sad about like God, like how sad that person is. Yeah, and you're just trying to help people. You're just trying to do something nice and like you're getting criticized for it. It's just, to me, social media is like plugging into the nervous system of the world. That's just like, I fucking hate my life. And like, I'm going to tell you about it and mm-hmm. I'm feeling secure and like, look how great my, like, it's just like this nervous system that I don't, like, I, I have to deal with my own nervous system. <laughs> I don't need to plug into like the world's nervous system. I get it. You know, I feel like for me, I I think there were definitely times in my life where I'm like, oh, this didn't work. And you know what, dude? Maybe they just, you're not a draw. 
Because you're like, you know, you're good, but maybe people just don't care. Maybe you just you start going down that wormhole. You start going to, and you start, and then you're like, dude, what the fuck? You get, and that's where the self worth comes in. Like, you got to know you're good. You got to not give a fuck. You got to just be like, hey, I'm strong. This is what I do for a living. It's not my opinion. What everybody else thinks about me. No, it's none of my business. No, so fuck it. And I'm going to do my job and be the best I can. And that's fulfillment and self worth in, in, in a way. And like, I, it, it's hard. It, it's super hard. But I also find too that like the projects that I'm the most proud of are usually the ones that no one has seen. And it's, it's about the experience that I had on it versus like, you know, some of the more kind of commercially successful ones that everyone's like freaking out over. And you're like, I actually had a really shitty time on that project, but, (laughs) but everyone's celebrating it. And so then there's like this weird disconnect of like, I hate that project, but you love it. But I love this one that you didn't see. What's your favorite project? Obviously Silicon Valley is a huge success. Yeah, and that's, that's, and you're the only girl, right? Well, Suzanne Cryer, who oh, yeah, plays yeah. my boss, um, she's she also happens to be a lady. I said girl. <laughs> You're the only girl, right? Like, I'm eight years old. <laughs> I say girl, too, though. Like, woman sounds weird. Do like, you want to be called a woman or a girl? I want to be called a girl. She's a girl. Hey, do you know Amanda Crow, that woman? She's a girl. No, she's a girl. <laughs> so this movie, Tone Deaf. Tone Deaf. I, I don't know if you know, but I'm a, a big fan of horror movies. I didn't know that. And I love Robert Patrick. Oh, my God. I mean, Terminator. Was he fun to work with? He was. You know, we actually... He's probably intense, isn't he? he, He's intimidating. I I mean, it's Robert Patrick. Yeah. And he's got this, like, cool truck that, like... Yeah, true cool voice like that. Yeah. Rolls up on his Harley or his cool truck. Let's do this. We rolling? (laughs) Start rolling. Let's go. Oh, my God. Did he do that? Why are we fucking rolling? Why am I on set? Because he's old school. Like, I love working with, like, old school actors because... Especially on indie film where you're working with like a younger crew, they're teaching you like this is how you fucking do it. And I love that like leadership of just kind of like showing, you know, this is how professional you're supposed to be. Like, because I think sometimes we've lost that professionalism. Oh my God. There's nothing more annoying than you're like, you know, Michael, we need you on set right now. I think, do you? And then you go on set and you're like there for 40 minutes while they're still figuring shit out. And, you know, those old timers, I've seen him, Christopher Walken. I, I worked with him, name dropper. And he was just <laughs> like, he, he, they called him on set twice and they weren't ready. And he looked at the director in this movie, Pool Hall Junkies, I did. And he goes, the director's Mars Callahan. He goes, Mars. And everybody kind of looked at Walken. He goes, today's my last day. And he walked out and we're like, uh, you should probably go talk to Mr. Walken. He was just like, you know, I'm not going to do this. I come on set. And I'm like, but at the same time, I'm like, dude, you're working three days for half a million. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm, I am of that camp. I am yeah. of, of the latter camp because I've seen, I'll name drop Harrison Ford. Mm, you were with him. <laughs> oh, smoking a bomb. <laughs> what was? Yeah, I read that. What, what, what'd you work on? Uh, Age of Adeline. Oh, and he, I mean, talk about like. If anyone's allowed to like not show up to set, it's Harrison Ford. Like the guy has like worked on the most iconic movies. He's got a huge career. I looked at him and I was like, that is a fucking professional. This guy showed up. I've we were never waiting for him. Like never once. He showed up so enthusiastic. And my favorite story, I wasn't there, but the director told me that like they had this scene where he had to like run down this long driveway, dirt driveway, you know, and he's not 
young anymore but he's got to like fucking sprint down this long driveway so that he he does it a couple times and the director's like harrison this is great i love it do you think we could do it one more time and do you think you could run like a little bit faster he's like Oh yeah, the only problem is this, there's like this big hole in on the the driveway down there, and I'm trying not to hit it. But if we could fill that up, then I can run faster. And the director's like, yeah, of course. Well, I'll get the the crew on it. So the director's trying to find like a crew member to like fill this hole. He turns back around. There's Harrison picking up dirt from the side of the road, filling the hole himself. Like not waiting for a crew member. Come on. And then they did it like five more times. Like he. Like he had him running for like an hour and he never once complained. And uh, that to me is just like a consummate professional. A hundred percent. He he had a, a mechanical hand. <laughs> you find this man. Did, he, did you ask him to say that? I did not. But he did fly his helicopter from Vancouver to Langley uh, to go to set each day. Do you know my surgeon? I'm watching the TV. Harrison Ford crashed his plane into a golf course today. And I'm like watching the news and it's like, Dr. Sanjay Karana at the Disc Center in Marina Del Rey was actually playing golf and rescued him and supposedly did surgery on him. And I'm like, dude, that's my dude. Can he sign my Star Wars poster? He's like, "Uh, yeah, I can't ask him that because he's my surgeon. (gasps) That's crazy. I just plug my surgeon and geez, man, Harrison. (laughs) All right. So tell us about this movie that's coming out. Okay. So it's. A horror movie, but dark comedies. It's uh, kind of like the two generations, millennials versus baby boomers. Uh, Robert Patrick is a millennial, and I am a baby boomer. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are stuck. they using that age thing where they did Tarantino <laughs> use that? Yeah, yeah, we just flipped it. Um, no, so it's it's about my character's name, Olive. She's your classic stereotypical millennial and Ricky Bates Jr., the writer director really leaned into the stereotypes. And so she's just like a very messy creature on your phone all the time. Yeah. She like, she's annoyed that she has to work hard at her job. She ends up getting fired. Her boyfriend breaks up with her. She like, her life's just a mess and she feels entitled to certain things. And so her friends convince her probably because they read it on like Refinery29 or BuzzFeed that like she needs to go off to the country to just kind of like zen out and like just have a chill moment, get an Airbnb, get away from it all, it even though out? you're in debt. Um, <laughs> and so she goes, gets an Airbnb, which happens to be the home of Robert Patrick's character who has an itch he hasn't scratched. You know, he's done everything in life, but he's got this one itch he hasn't scratched, and that is to kill a person. We'll Jesus. see where it goes from there. But it's it's fun. It's like, it's very like dark comedy. It's very, so like a commentary on just kind of the, the two generations, two generations that feel right in, in their belief and mindset and that the other is so, so wrong and the, the kind of the clash of the two. And it's not your your typical. It doesn't sound like your typical slasher movie. It sounds like it's got some some depth to it. Yeah, and I was really impressed with the way that they shot it because on these indie films, like they don't have the time to do these you know elaborate setups. But yeah. the cinematographer Ed Wu is so talented, but also Ricky has such a strong eye for what he wants. So like everything's just so perfectly symmetrically framed, and I was just so surprised. You know. There were times where 30 minutes, like I was sitting on set ready to go and it's just like, nope, it's it's not symmetrical. And they would have to like reframe everything for like an additional 30 minutes, which you never get on indie films. But I loved that 
Ricky like would not move forward until he got what he needed. Well, I have horror movie nights here. My friend, uh, oh, name, really? name drop and John here and friends, they come over here and we watch horror movies. So we're going to screen that because it's coming out in theaters and it'll be on video demand. But uh, I'm, I'm a, why don't I go see it in theaters? I mean, wh- wh- however you want to support it. I'm still going to pay for it. Yeah. I, so what do you care? I don't care. What the fuck? <laughs> Just get it on VOD. And look, we didn't even talk about Silicon Valley, but you know, and I know Martin Starr, we did a short together. Love Martin. Is is that a fun experience? Is everyone is it very playful and just light? Yeah, they are my sisters and I am their brother. <laughs> it's it's a love fest. I love them so so much and it's you know, I've been in this industry for so long and I know that whole like the bubble thing when you're on location working on a project and everyone's in love and then you leave and it's just like who is that person? I don't care about them. Mm-hmm. But this is like tr- like I truly feel like they are family to me and it's just it's just so fun. No one like Everyone has had different kinds of success outside of the show during the many seasons, and yet nothing has changed. Everyone, if not, everyone's just more respectful of each other. Did they try to pay you with, like, Canadian money? (laughs) Those fucks. (laughs) You know they did. Yeah, they gave me beaver tails. You know, but that's an issue a lot of times. They'll try to pay. They'll they'll cheap out on the Canadian. Oh, she's Canadian, so we'll pay her Canadian. Yeah, I I don't think they can have that mindset when it's filming, filming in, in America. America, but for sure I've, yeah. I've experienced that so many oh, times. Yeah. Um, she's going to work as a local hire, which totally. means we're not going to pay her at all. Put, put yourself up. You can fly yourself up here, but like, Hey, like it's a one scene opposite blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. And people don't understand. It's like, you know, you need to make as much money as you can as an actor because you don't know when your next fucking job is, man. Well, also like, you see on paper like, whoa, I'm getting paid $100,000 for this like job. And you're like, whoa, I'm rich. You're like, okay, 25% is going to my team. And then- 40% to taxes. Yeah. So you're like, that $100,000 is really like $45,000. Exactly. And for how many months? 100%. So it's like people, I don't think people understand that when they see yeah. like these paychecks. It's like, I'm getting less than half of that. That's better than digging ditches. Listen, I love my job. <laughs> yeah, you do. Ryan, how do you like your new job? <laughs> oh, it's great, boss. Thanks for asking. <laughs> oh, you fuck. You got to get him oh, a hat that oh says, like, or you need a hat that says boss man. No, no, I don't. Amanda Crew, this has been a real treat. I really appreciate it. I, I hope you had fun. I did. This is so, so great. I like, I love the format and the, con- I was listening to the one with Dak Shepard. Oh, uh, it gets dark. Yeah, I loved it though. It yeah. was I love like hearing human stories. I love it. Yeah, well me too and I'm glad you came to tell tell out yours. And you sound like you have a great uh, boyfriend. <laughs> what are we going to call him? We'll call him um him. We'll call him him. Tone deaf on demand August 23rd. Yes. And correct. So uh, I'm excited about this and you know I'm going to be screening it here at the house. So Hey, thanks so much. Watch Silicon Valley. You're still on that, right? Yeah, we're filming. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, season six now? It's our final season. This is it? This is Are it. Are you sad? We had a year and a half off between the fifth and sixth season, and I we all kind of knew this was going to be the last season, so I had... Remember all that therapy I talked about? Mm-hmm. I had some time to process a lot of things. You feel good, though. I do. I, like, I'd rather end it on a high. I'm sad because, you know, it means the end of an era for me, but I'm also excited because it's a new chapter, which is daunting and scary, but also exciting. 
Well, this has been a real treat. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today. Oh. Well, that's what I always say. Uh, Tone Deaf, go see it. She's great. Amanda Crew. Thank you. See you. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.